Hey everyone, welcome to the Bavada At Odds podcast. I'm your host, Seth Everett, along with the head odds maker of BavadaSportsbook.com, the great Patrick Morrow. And Patrick, um, a bombshell. Well, there have been a couple bombshells, but uh, just yesterday, Simone Biles pulls out of the U.S. team competition, and it's about mental health. Now, that's not an injury. That's also not a COVID thing. And my brain went to COVID when I first heard the news. What did the sports books do? Yeah, that was, uh, gosh, this U.S. women's gymnastics team, uh, the cream of the crop, they were the odds-on favorite at Bovada to win the team event. They were minus 400. And uh, with Simone Biles pulling out of the competition, they were certainly shorthanded in that event. And what you ended up seeing was the, I got to get this right, the Russian Olympic Committee, because it's not technically Team Russia. You know, that's a very important uh, disclaimer that we need to make. They ended up uh, taking the competition as three to one underdogs. This is one of the most uh, surprising losses, especially for a women's gymnastics team like this. Generally dominates this event, has in previous Olympics, has in previous women's championships. So uh, you know, we continue to wait and see uh, what that means for any individual and other events going forward, because, and again, this is all moving very quickly, Seth, but, uh, you know, as far as we know, this is just the only competition that she's pulled out of yet. She may still be competing in other events going forward. So this is uh, very much a wait and see uh, for how this will impact everything else going forward. But losing someone as impactful as her, it does mean that all of our other women's gymnastics odds are currently suspended at Bavada until we get a little bit more clarity as to what her situation is. But the, the there are two things, you know, people are betting on the team and they're betting on her individual, correct? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There will be uh, bets, not just on the team. So then going the silver, that's not pulled back because she did, you know, she's out. If she gets hurt, that that's not a COVID thing. So there's no retractable, right? That that's that's absolutely right. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, all bets are taken. You know, the the competition took place. If she had pulled out, or if she had pulled out before any of the events that actually started, what we would do, and this is a rule we have uh, special to the Olympics, is that uh, similar to horse racing, Seth. If a, a horse was able, uh, if a horse backed out earlier, there is a reconfiguration of the odds uh, in an event like the Olympics, like this where it will change the payout odds based on early withdrawal, again, before the contest started. So the fact that she pulled out while uh, the team event was still underway, uh, it had no change on any of the payout odds. So, But if she had pulled out uh, of an individual event prior, especially one where she would have been a favorite in, that would have impacted the payout odds on all the other competitors. Again, if she had pulled out ahead of time. So uh, for anything else that's still outstanding, we, we will wait and see. Again, those gymnastics odds still currently suspended at Bavada right now. Meanwhile, the top three women's seeds in tennis are all out of it. Um, that means we're going to have a new winner. A lot of bets on the favorites are out, including Naomi Osaka. And I have to have to think the Bavada Sportsbook money is on was on o- Osaka when this thing started. Absolutely. The most amount of money uh, in, in a loaded field like this, about 30 percent of all bets were on Naomi Osaka. She was about a minus 700 favorite just to win her uh, match against the 42nd ranked uh, female tennis player in this tournament. And, and now it's wide open. It's now uh, Garbine uh, Muguruza, who is now the favorite on the female side to win the gold medal in Tokyo. So it, it's now a much more wide open tournament. And as much as it is tough for uh, you know, fans of U.S. tennis, fans of Naomi Osaka to see that early exit, uh, selfishly, great result for the sports book. Uh, 
you know, uh, she's still, uh, you know, trying to regain her form after she's had some tournament withdrawals earlier in the summer and late spring. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really, really wide open women's tournament uh, now with all the remaining competitors. What does it mean when this has impact in ratings? You know, we don't usually talk about sports ratings, but from a sports gambling standpoint, does the interest level go down when stars are out of it? You know, I, I think that uh, I think there's a couple things at play here, Seth. And I think, um, you know, you have uh, certainly some underwhelming Team USA results so far. That does impact, uh, you know, people watching. We want to see, you know, as a sports book, we always want to kind of thread the needle a little bit. We want uh, Team USA to do well, but not too well. You know, maybe they're winning, but maybe they're not covering the spread all the time. Or, you know, maybe we can take a, you know, a, a shot at some of the players on props and other futures. But I, you know, so that's part of it is that the USA, uh, Team USA has had some underwhelming results. I do think this time difference is a real tough one uh, for casual viewers and casual bettors to really sort out because, you know, you're throwing on the TV each day and you've really got to do some digging to realize if what you're even watching is live or something that occurred while you were sleeping. You do kind of have to keep some odd hours if you want to watch a lot of these events. Uh, you know, the USA versus Iran men's basketball game i think is slated for 12 40 a.m eastern time well, i can stay up for that uh, i don't know that'll be too compelling team usa is 40 and a half point favorites in a, a game that they need after losing to france but i, I think uh, you know and we've seen this before when there's been the olympic games in either japan or china or korea that uh, it's tough to keep on top of these it's tough to get up early unless you're someone who's you know seeking out that value in an obscene amount of betting opportunities that we have for these Olympic games. So for the casual fan, I, I think it's tough to keep up with this. And we talked about this uh, last week a bit, Seth, as well. There just continues to be a, an overwhelming amount of sports available leading into the summer. And I think, you know, at this time last summer, I think we would have been, you know, thrilled to have this much still happening uh, on, on TV. But uh, as it currently stands after the last, uh, you know, six, seven months of this, you know, maybe there's a bit of sports viewer fatigue. I, I, I know me personally, it, it's lovely outside right now. It's tough to, it's tougher, I should say, to get into this Olympic Games than it has been previous ones. You referenced the uh, basketball and that loss to France. First of all, the individual bets on that game must have been wild. And then people are talking about the United States for a gold medal. And these are considered safe bets, aren't they? I mean, safe uh, is relative. Uh, there were certainly the overwhelming favorites at Bavada. Team USA opened as uh, minus 1,000 to win the gold medal uh, in the U.S. men's basketball tournament in Tokyo. And with that opening loss to France, uh, they were France was 5-1 to one underdogs in that game at Bavada. Uh, Team USA is now down to minus 250. Uh, you know, again... Nothing like a bounce back game against Iran where the U.S. were 40 point favorites to, uh, you know, help uh, cleanse the palate a little bit. Uh, you know, they still have time to figure it out, but uh, there's not really room for another mistake now. Uh, you know, I, I think this team was kind of hastily brought together after the NBA finals. You know, some players need to be replaced because of COVID. They're still figuring out how to gel a little bit. Uh, you know, a game against Iran is a great opportunity to, uh, you know, figure some things out uh, for when they have more meaningful competition, whether it's Australia, who's right there at eight to one, France, who's right there at nine to one, Nigeria, surprisingly, they were 100 to one before the tourney started down to 50 to one now. And, uh, you know, all these teams, you know, 
can give the uh, Team USA a bit of a threat because they play really good team basketball. They've been playing together for a lot of these teams uh, with much more cohesion and a lot more time together. So I think USA will probably still get there. Again, minus 250 favorites updated at Bavada as of this podcast recording. Uh, you know, someone else will have to smack them in the face again. It's good that they got hit early. I, I do buy into this idea that for a team like Team USA, who probably thought that they could waltz to that gold medal, it's maybe good that they got punched in the mouth a little bit and that it happened as early as it did. But tell me about the other stuff, the lesser sports. And when I say lesser, it's not that I'm saying I think less of these sports, but they're lesser publicized. Um, the individual track and field, the individual swimming, the individual uh, taekwondo. They have uh, the equestrian of which, you know, McLean Ward is a guest on Sports with Friends. What about the lesser publicized storylines? What kind of action is there? So, you know, Seth, uh, I was uh, scrolling down while you were entering uh, the topic and my goodness, it took 10 scrolls on the mouse wheel to get even a third of the way through all the sports. And, you know, you mentioned that they are, you know, they may be lesser sports, although you don't want to call them that. And, you know, I think when I'm looking at, uh, you know, the action that we're taking on them, the betters certainly don't think of them as lesser sports. The betters think of them as maybe under the radar opportunities to jump in, uh, you know, whether it's women's field hockey, whether it's archery, whether it's dressage, people are betting in and investing in all this stuff. Yeah, you know, the men's tennis uh, and the women's tennis as well. Uh, the golf uh, is a great example where you have, you know, big names because people can associate them with the professional versions of the sports. Yeah, that's going to take more money. But all this stuff adds up similar to a way that prop betting on an NFL game can protect us against the game results. So, you know what, if Team USA Basketball, we were just talking about them, it's a, it's a loss for us at Bavada if they were to, you know, right the ship and win gold. But, you know, we can we can help, uh, you know, insulate ourselves from some of these losses by having a team like, let's say, Netherlands win women's field hockey or by having Anne Sun win the women's archery individual uh, contest. Can Brady Ellison win uh, the men's archery as well? All this stuff, it adds up. So, uh, you know, it's, it's great to see that if there are odds on any of this stuff and if it's televised and if people can figure out what time it's actually going to be on in live, they will engage in this stuff. I, I think what's uh, been really encouraging and uh, really speaks to, again, continued momentum towards in-game wagering and in-game consumption. You know, we all watch sports and consume them via social media to some degree, or maybe me uh, more than most, but that, that's how I watch sports. I watch sports and I have Twitter in front of me if I'm in my office all the time. And I think that's how a lot of people like to consume these products. So, you know, the pre-match wagering is one thing, but once these competitions go live, Seth, it's when the betting really takes off. And again, if it's dressage, if it's archery, if it's water polo, if it's any of this stuff, if it's live and it's real pictures and it's updated odds and people can bet on which team will score next, that's when people really start to engage and really start to bet these much more heavily. And again, all this stuff adds up and can protect us against the bad beats in bigger competitions and bigger results, whether it's Djokovic winning uh, the men's tennis gold, whether it's again, USA men's basketball winning gold, you know, all that stuff can help protect us at Bavada. Uh, you know, if we can, you know, stick the landing, so to speak, in some of these uh, smaller programs. All right, let's go a little closer to home. Uh, the NFL training camps are starting. And the story is that uh, Aaron Rodgers is restructuring his contract uh, he's going to play one more year with the Green Bay Packers. I think he's probably gone, but 
the reality is, is for all those futures bets on where will Aaron Rodgers play, Green Bay is the winner. Green Bay is the winner. And, uh, you know, tough break for the Minnesota Vikings set for three whole days earlier, uh, three whole days, July 23rd to July 26th. So it's four days, actually. For four whole days, they were the favorites to win the NFC North. It looked like Aaron Rodgers was out. It looked like he was going elsewhere. No chance. Might even retire uh, instead of playing another season for Green Bay. But he and Devontae Adams were able to sort it out. Devontae Adams was also, uh, you know, talking about going elsewhere. So the Packers are really looking like they were on the down notes. But they will have Devontae Adams. They will have Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, as you would expect with both those uh, players returning, at least for one year, are now the minus 150 favorites to win the NFC North at Bavada. The Vikings, again, they had been ever so slight favorites when it was looking like Rodgers might retire or go elsewhere. But, you know, sorting out uh, being able to return for one year and having a little bit more freedom on how to exit that, you know what, it's... If, you, if you're the Packers, that's pretty good because Rodgers really doesn't want to be there. But he's also auditioning for where he wants to be next year. Rodgers isn't going to mail in this season. He's going to give them a good effort. And with him and Devontae Adams, again, the odds-on favorites to win the NFC North, which means that they should be right there in the playoff mix and perhaps right there in the Super Bowl mix as well. But there's a different part of it because the speculation will become where is he going to play next year? And on top of that, he's going to narrow the teams. And I think when it's a narrower field, that's going to change it. You know, it's going to leak where he wants to play next year mm-hmm. and teams that have the cap space and, you know, the, all of that stuff. You know, Tom Brady did a great job of keeping Tampa Bay secret. Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers is not going to do the same thing. Uh, I mean, unless it's in his best interest to do so, right? I, I mean, I, I think to the prospective suitors, he'll probably let them know where he wants to be going. But uh you know, yeah. Did Tom Brady finesse it perfectly? Yeah. I only know a couple people in sports betting Twitter, which is the colloquial term I'll use for advantage players that had Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay and uh, had some really nice futures bets last year. I think they were able to sort him out uh, something like 40 to one to win the Super Bowl. Some really nice winners, uh, some professional sports. So you're, you're right. Brady did an incredible job of keeping that secret. It did not leak elsewhere. We were pretty okay at Bovada when he uh, signed with Tampa. We didn't get hit too hard. We were on top of that. Uh, yeah, I don't know that Rodgers can replicate that, uh, you know, that spy-like uh, mentality that Brady had in keeping that to himself. But, uh, you know, he certainly has a little bit more control over the process than he did prior. So, you know, and I, I say this, I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan more than I'm a Packers fan. I hope he has success with Green Bay this year. But uh, more importantly, I hope he has success anywhere he goes. All right. Meanwhile, on the college ranks, uh, the big news is another potential big realignment. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma formally asked the SEC yesterday for an invite. If they move to the SEC, what does that do to the Big 12? And do we start seeing a potentially seismic move in college football? And, you know, there's this argument that college football is at a crossroads with the chance to pay players and all, all these other things the landscape may look completely different. Uh, what are you hearing about the other schools that might be shifting? Yeah, it's, it's a super interesting time in college football right now. Uh, if you look at Texas, uh, it makes sense for the SEC. Texas brings a lot of money and ratings, doesn't uh, necessarily bring uh, talent on the field. Uh, and Oklahoma, Oklahoma brings the talent on the field. I mean, the Big 12 outside of Texas and Oklahoma is not a very great conference. They're a conference that has been uh, disrespected in the past. They've been left out of larger bowl games because of the perception that they are not 
uh, particularly strong, especially teams like Baylor uh, historically when they did well. Um, you know, I, I think what will happen if they go there is, yeah, it, it'll, you're going, it's not going to be the only move. I think you're going to see the PAC 12 and the big 10 react to that as they try and beef up their conferences. I don't know exactly how they do it, but uh, you know, in, in the SEC, the rich will just absolutely get richer. It, it's a no-brainer for the SEC to add teams like Texas and Oklahoma. The SEC is already year in, year out, the class of college football in terms of just the sustained excellence they have and the braggadocia that they bring with it. Uh, they're still the only conference that cheers out their name in stadiums when they're playing another opponent. They love to flex on college football and adding Texas and Oklahoma would be another massive flex for a conference like the SEC. I think it'll force the Pac-12 and the Big Ten to reassess uh, what their conference looks like going forward and uh, you know how can they counter this? And are we eventually just moving to, you know, getting away are, are we eventually you know we talked about the champions league and the super league right it's college football get ahead in this direction as well where you're gonna get you know the top 15 top 20 programs and just say you know nuts to the big 10 nuts, nuts to the pac 12 if it's ultimately driven by money and i think we know so much in college sports is you know it's not insane to think that a lot of, that all of these conferences could look a lot different to say if they even exist at all in five years time well, it's going to be really wild and you know the whole landscape is going to be changing. And, you know, from a basketball standpoint, I don't know if you saw Jay Billis earlier this week said the sec and the ACC should merge. Just think about the domino effect of what that means. And this idea of having a super conference, one argument though, that is in favor of that eventual reality is that's what pro sports are. Mm Mm-hmm. You have the AFC and the NFC like that's it. Right. And that's not even geography based. That's just conference based based on the AFL and the NFL merger and expansion and realignment and such. But there's one NFL. We have the NCAA. But in reality, are you an NCAA fan or are you a Big 12 fan? Are you a SEC fan? Are you a Big 10 fan? If you could create super conferences, you essentially have what pro sports has. Yeah, and, and I, I think um, with a lot of these conferences as well, and the Big 12 is an easy one to pick on as well. Uh, again, there's they don't even have 12 teams, Seth. <laughs> so, you know, there's, you know, I, I don't think there's this emotional tie. Get 12 teams because there's lesser teams that'll say, oh my God, yeah, we'll take the chance to go into the Big 10. Uh, absolutely. But that's, you know, the, the, I, I, the Connecticut thing is a rarity. Remember what happened with Connecticut? They got left out in the cold when mm-hmm. when all those teams left the Big East for the ACC and Connecticut didn't get the invite. Like, that's the rarity. The fact mm-hmm. of the matter is, is, if the Big 12 wants 12 schools, they'll get 12 schools. They'll get 12 schools, but uh, they won't have 12 schools that will be, you know, consistently competing. I mean, they, they can try and do a version where, uh, you know, they poach like a Boise State, like, a, you know, a smaller conference team that's consistently having success. Uh you know, that, that's a 10-11 that's a win team. But there's still not a lot of money that comes with a team like Boise. There's not a lot of prestige. To come. You're absolutely right. They can fill 12 teams. There are teams from far lesser conferences than the Big 12 that would be chomping at the bit to join. But I don't know that that helps to elevate the Big 12. Yeah, they can get 12 teams, but they're not attracting the teams that they want. And they're struggling to keep the teams that they have. And I think what we'll see is, you know, the SEC is the super conference as far as I'm concerned. The Pac-12 is, you know, kind of figuring it out, although I don't know how Pacific Colorado is. Uh, you know what? Uh, more realignment is fine. Uh, you know, I think it's a great step that the players can finally market themselves a little bit and uh, make a few coins off their good names. Uh, 
honestly, I think the NCAA has gotten off pretty easy so far on that front. If all they are have to deal with so far is the players can self-market and the NCAA doesn't have to actually give them a dollar yet, oh, the NCAA is doing pretty okay for now. You're, you're absolutely right. He's the head odds maker at Bavada Sportsbook. His name is Patrick Morrow. My name is Seth Everett. We appreciate your listening. We appreciate the subscriptions. Please rate and review the podcast. We'll see you next week. This is the Bavada at Odds podcast. I think the judges gave this show a perfect 10, Seth. Mm-hmm.